On this episode of China Unscripted, the Chinese Communist Party is committing genocide in Xinjiang. We talked today to a man who survived the concentration camps. Welcome to China Unscripted. I'm Chris Chappell. I'm Shelley Zhang. And I'm Matt Ganesta. And joining us today is Abduweli Ayub, a writer, linguist, and Uyghur activist and president of the Uyghur Help Organization. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So I think it's really hard for like Americans to kind of picture what life is like in Xinjiang. Not not the concentration camps themselves, but just daily life for Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Can can you tell us a little bit about what that's like and how your story began? Uh, let's start like this. For example, that in the morning, when you go out uh, from your home, the first thing you have to do, you show your ID card. So some cities every 200 meters, some cities every 500 meters, there is a checkpoint. Mm. You have to show your ID card. Like uh, for me, in the morning, I from my... Uh, uh, home to the place I'm going to work, I have to show 17 times of my ID card. Sometimes I feel that they already know me, who am I and what I'm going to do, and they know. And why, I asked that, why are you doing? They said, this is the rule. This is life should be. And this is the life for everybody. But at the end, that you feel... If you go somewhere without a checkpoint, without like a surveillance camera, you feel strange. Wow, why we don't have the checkpoint and why we don't have surveillance? Because you already get used to those life, those things. Yeah, it's the life of um, like under surveillance in anywhere and under questioning uh, from the police and under like spying on the surveillance camera. So are you always aware that you're being watched? Like in your day-to-day life, do you have this awareness? Yes, that is. Like um, after I came to uh, Turkey and uh, I feel that uh, somebody always uh, watching on me and sometimes like somebody knocked the door, like without my knowledge, I feel very nervous because it could, could be the police. It is the life. Like in at night, people sleep with the clothes. Why? Because uh, you should be ready 24 hours if police came. So I imagine you're not sleeping very well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And there's also the case of uh, like Han Chinese coming in and staying with uh, with Uyghur families. Sort of the they call them like big brothers or sisters. Yeah, it is like um, uh, since 2014, uh, November, this uh, started, like uh, we, you should have uh, Han Chinese relatives, especially uh, 2017, it's systematically uh, appointed to your home. And uh, like uh, the, your Han Chinese relative is, Another, like you have a camera outside, but at home you don't have camera. Your hand Chinese relative is another camera, like watching you. What are you doing? You know, you said this kind of started with the relatives, the relatives coming in like 2014. So, you know, the surveillance and everything, was that also about when it started, like 2014? Actually, uh, surveillance uh, started uh, after uh, July 5th. We have a July 5th demonstration in 2009. And uh, during the demonstration, uh, government, maybe they found out that they couldn't arrest enough Uyghurs. And after that, the camera installed every city. Before, we have the camera in Urimchi and some major cities. And after July 5th, we have camera every city, every county, every town, especially in Kashgar, Urimchi, and Wulja. We have three uh, big major cities, and we have uh, camera at that time uh, per 500 meters cam- uh, at the street. And after 2014, uh, November, it's intensified. 
like every um, every street and uh, like every neighborhood. And another thing that like uh, uh, Chinese government called uh, it uh, in Chinese, it means that uh, like network, mm, like um, uh, categorize, uh, categorizing, not categorizing, it's like uh, fencing. Like every uh, village should be uh, surrounded by fence. And every neighborhood should be surrounded by wall. And at that time, uh, like people feel very angry because you have to go for a long way to go out because like uh, the wall surrounded you and you have to uh, go to street. You have to pass uh, the police. You have to go for a long because there is no bus between uh, from your home to the to the gate. So you have to walk along, and people like always complain that why they have to walk for a long time to go to bus or go to street. Why it's happening like this? There is a, a red way, there is a green way. And uh, like uh, um, every street and every like uh, checkpoints, there's a red way, there's a green way. Uh, red way is Uyghur minority. And uh, like uh, green, green way is for Han Chinese majority. And people always call them that they are green, we are red. That's why we pass different uh, way because of we have a different uh, ethnic background, and uh, and Uyghur uh, district always surrounded with the wall, and Han Chinese district is open. Uh, that at the time uh, another uh, thing happened that Uyghur began to move to Chinese city, like Chinese provinces, especially at the time most people went Xi'an and uh, Shanghai and uh, Beijing. It's because of like people always surrounded by wall and the checkpoints and the police and the, like a spying camera. And that's uh, people uh, feel oppressed and the, some of them move to the like those Chinese cities. That's because of this. So it's a very segregated society. Yes, it's a segregated society. Like at that time, I uh, talked to uh, my Han Chinese friends and uh, you guys always promote uh, ethnic unity. But we cannot unite together and we cannot go the same way. You guys go the green way and we go the red way. And you guys will not stop at the checkpoint and we always stop at the checkpoint. How can we be united? How can we, ethnic unity is beautiful term. But the problem is if we cannot go the same way, if we cannot have the same treatment, how can we feel we are the same? Now, I found it interesting that you refer to your Han Chinese friends. Considering the kind of oppression the Uyghurs are facing in Xinjiang, I imagine there's a lot of ethnic tension there. I'm amazed that you can still refer to Han Chinese as your friends. Yes, of course, because uh, um, there is a policy, but uh, during, like in the policy, some of them implementing the policy, some of them benefiting the policy, but some of them still uh, feel angry at the policy because... Uh, because of this policy, they cannot uh, live uh, securely. They cannot live safely. They feel that it's not the way. It's not the right thing to do. Han Chinese are feeling this way? Yeah, yeah. Especially uh, especially the businessmen. Because uh, like uh, they um, talked to me that the government, the, the exact word is government can protect me like um, from the morning from eight until five. After that, please go home and who can protect us? The, the government cannot protect us 24 hours and we are living with the Uyghur um, community here and we are having business here. And if like in Kashgar, 90% are Uyghurs, if Uyghur feel angry, feel resentful against us, who can protect us after this working hour? They talk to me. It's it's impossible. And another, uh, I have friends who have the business, and I have another friend uh, who is uh, Han Chinese but Muslim. He got arrested. His name is Malik, and uh, he said that it's not because he's having a youth hostel, and uh, his main um, uh, customers are foreigners, like uh, the the people from Western countries. And he said, I lost my business 
because of my youth hostel is in the Uyghur neighborhood. And because of his youth hostel is in the Uyghur neighborhood and his youth hostel also surrounded with the wall. And then his business affected because like tourists cannot go very freely and they have to show their ID card. And they said, what, what's the problem? They want to live in Uyghur community because they want to enjoy Uyghur culture. But the problem is because of my youth hostel in Uyghur neighborhood, it's surrounded by the wall and the always with the checkpoints and surveillance camera. They will not come. And my, I lost my business here. Well, speaking of Uyghur culture, as I understand, it's getting incredibly difficult for Uyghur culture to exist in Xinjiang, from uh, traditional neighborhoods being physically torn down to bans on traditional Uyghur practices. Uh, how difficult is it to maintain the Uyghur culture in Xinjiang right now? Uh, no, it is really hard to live with um, any culture um, except Han Chinese. Like uh, now, Uyghur forced to live um, like um, more Chinese than than ordinary Chinese. For example, that in um, I have lived in Chinese provinces for eleven years, and I know what Chinese culture. Yes, but the problem is like uh, Chinese in uh, Chinese provinces, they don't practice traditional Chinese culture. They are living in their modern life, most of them. But in uh, Uyghur region, people forced to practice traditional Chinese culture. Nobody practice anymore. For example, that like the student, when teacher come into the classroom, the students should bow to him as a Chinese way like this. Like, it's absurd because the Chinese don't practice this culture in Shanghai and Beijing. And another thing that, like, uh, a tr traditional culture showed to the parents, and but Uyghur will not. And they force Uyghur to bow their parents. And another third that, like, uh, we only can see it from the movie, like, wear uh, clothes, very Chinese. It's like um, maybe thousand maybe years ago like we were forced to wear that kind of clothes even chinese don't wear so the problem is Uyghur are not practicing their culture not enjoying their culture they are practicing the culture and chinese are not practicing anymore and like the chinese government forced Uyghur live as chinese but not as a modern chinese live as the ancient chinese it is, it's unacceptable. Another thing that it's not useful and it's not practical anymore. Well, as I understand it, it was this assault on Uyghur culture that sort of mo motivated you to actually move back to Xinjiang to teach a Uyghur kindergarten. Can you, can you tell us a bit about why you did that? Yeah, I was a university uh, professor in a uh, Chinese university in Gansu provinces. Uh, after I had a baby, and I think that I should, uh, if I uh, stay in the Chinese province, I cannot teach my kid Uyghur because all of them are Chinese. I cannot like teach him very well. And uh, because of this, I moved back to uh, my hometown, Durimchi. And then uh, I started found that there is no Uyghur kindergarten. All of the kindergarten are Han Chinese kindergarten. And uh, it shocked me because in my imagination, uh, like uh, it's Uyghur autonomous region, so-called. And the Uyghur should be uh, op like uh, official position, like Uyghur and Han Chinese should be official position. And we should have Uyghur kindergarten. But I found out there is no. And uh, this is the one another thing that um, government encourage uh, Han Chinese businessmen to have a kindergarten because government owned kindergarten not enough. And at that time, I think that can we try to have a kindergarten as Han Chinese and Chinese businessmen are doing? And if it's beneficial, if it's like uh, possible for like because at the time I believe that I'm holding Chinese ID card, 
and I'm a Chinese citizen. So even we were afraid of asking this question, I decided that I should ask this question. I'm Chinese citizen and I'm Chinese, I'm holding Chinese ID card. I should ask that, should I have a chance to have a kindergarten as Chinese like businessmen do? And for example, I know that Chinese kindergarten in like in um, Suzhou, in Shanghai, in, they have international kindergarten. Like we teach English and uh, Chinese. And uh, I, I, I talk to my friend and I uh, like write the petition to the government that can we have a kindergarten like that? Keep our language bigger and to teach English and teach Chinese at the same time. And can we do this? We uh, applied for the government, the Urumqi municipality, but rejected that. We, they rejected. Look, you shouldn't have a mother language kindergarten. Like, you should have a Chinese only. And then we began to, began, we started our campaign that it's, like, first we uh, promoted that it's illegal. Yes, it's depending on Chinese uh, constitution, like uh, provision four, it's illegal. Depending on uh, Chinese uh, like law of uh, education, it's illegal. And I said, it is illegal. It's our legal rights to have Uyghur at the kindergarten and teach Uyghur kids in Uyghur. It's our legal right. Why we couldn't have? We should, like, they, like a municipality rejected us. I asked them, we need official paper. We will not allow Uyghur kindergarten. You should say this. Uh, you should write on the paper and show up. You shouldn't say this. You shouldn't uh, force us to give up. You shouldn't call the police. Just give us the paper. Uyghur is illegal in Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. We have, after we have this answer, we will stop. But if you say it's legal, it's constitutional, we will not stop. You change the constitution first, or you change your decision second. Without changing your constitution, without changing your law, you cannot change your decision, and it's, it's impossible. You cannot change, change our mind, because we believe we are Chinese citizens, and we are holding Chinese uh, ID card, so we have the same right as Han Chinese has. So how did the Chinese government take your uh, protesting? Actually, um, at that time, they forced us to do this. Because if, uh, like, Chinese, at that time, Urimchi municipality allow us to have a kindergarten, there is no problem. You can have kindergarten, I can teach my kids Uyghur, and it's win-win situation, actually. Yeah, you can win Uyghur's heart, and we can burn, we can win our mother language. Why not? So... Was it uh, was it the kindergarten issue that is what got you sentenced to one of these concentration camps? Yes, that is. Um, uh, after I got arrested, I found out something. Like as a Uyghur, I um, always think that yes, there is oppression before, and it has been going on, and uh, I always think that, that there is a misunderstanding between the Uyghur people and the government. Like there is a misunderstanding. And uh, when I got arrested, I found that they like made mistakes. They will release me in a few days. I have this idea that no, they will, it will not happen. But the problem is after I get arrested, uh, they accused me three things. One, uh, you are CIA agent. Like, accuse okay. me as a CIA agent. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the second, separatist, because of, uh, yeah, they accused me as a CIA agent because of I was supported by um, Ford Foundation. When I had my master's degree in the U.S., I supported by Ford Foundation. I applied Ford Foundation's office in Beijing. It is a legal foundation in China at the time. Like we have more than 40 um, uh, fourth fellows. Only four of us are Uyghur. Others are Han Chinese. They are a majority. I am minority. 
And if I selected by um, like CIA, what happened to other 36 Han Chinese? Because if they are Han Chinese, they are not selected by CIA. Yeah, I, I'll ask this question. And the number two, I was accused of being separatist. And, uh, and the reason is the mother language issue is sensitive issue. It lead Bangladesh as an independent country. It's 1971, I think. Like there is a demonstration in uh, Dhaka and the students want their mother language rights. And after that, Bangladesh became an independent country. They make this example that this, Issue is not simple, like issue, and the, your hidden aim is to build a country for Uyghurs. I said, no, I just want to build a kindergarten for kids, not the country for Uyghurs. Oh, so, oh, oh, my God, it's a big concept. And it, it's for me, it's impossible to build a country for people like the guy like me have a kindergarten. And I said, no. And the third uh, overthrew the government. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, I think um, it's a big, like China is very big country. And if I can overthrow the Chinese government, and it's very, um, like, it's hard to imagine. And uh, like, yeah, this kind of uh, accusation. And the, like questioning is always about that. Like, why, like, why do you go to the United States? And who pick you up from the airport? And who is the first American you meet? And this kind of bullshit questions, like actually, yeah, yeah. Because, because like I went to the United States, I take the taxi and uh, I go to school and there's nobody except me and like there's no CIE appointment, something like that. Just went to school and study and then finish my degree and go back. That's the simple story, but in their imagination, I'm ideal enemy of the country, like to lead Uyghurs independent and the separatist moment, something like that. They want to prove this uh, because of this like uh, impossible proving. They tortured me, and uh, like I said, yeah, you can kill me. It's a, you can kill me, but you cannot prove it because it's false imagination. I'm your enemy in your imagination, in not in the reality. You can you can electrocise me and you can torture me and you can hang me and you can beat me. It's okay, but the problem is there is no anything, any evidence. If I have, I will tell you. I will tell you because I want to have this 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 life. Yeah. I want to live as a human being and I want to live as a dignity. And why do you do why are you doing this? I don't have any evidence to tell you to prove that I am a separatist. This kindergarten is just a kindergarten for kids. And why I'm going to have this kindergarten? Because kindergarten, the kids are innocent. They are angels for me. I love kids. And I love my kids. And I love bigger kids. And I love ever kids in the world. Why are you accusing this as a separatist? I mean, this 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 so perfectly sums up the Chinese Communist Party to me. Like, you try to start a kindergarten, they send you to a concentration camp. For being part of the CIA. And then there's no way you can prove that you're not part of the CIA because they're convinced that you are part of the CIA. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, uh, Abdulali, when you said earlier before you got arrested that you thought it was just a misunderstanding, like you thought that, like, the problems that were happening in Xinjiang were a misunderstanding. Like, what did you think that misunderstanding was? Uh, misunderstanding. I always like because of uh, I was a university professor, and I always think that um, like uh, because of uh, Chinese uh, government uh, could uh, could not hire enough Uyghur expert who can speak Uyghur, who can understand Uyghur culture, and uh, there is no enough uh, experts. There is no enough study about Uyghur, so government's policy is. Like um, they uh, like implement the wrong policy. They produce the wrong policy. If uh, like government understand enough Uyghur, if they maybe have enough Uyghur experts, if like for us as a Uyghur scholar, 
if we can tell a real Uyghur problem to the government and provide some solution, and government will listen to us. That's my, this my naive idea as, as a scholar, because I live in Chinese provinces. We have done in, in Chinese provinces. Like for example, that I, in, I um, surveyed the Hui Muslim in uh, Lanzhou. We solved some problem. After our study and we provided to the government official, the problem solved it. And like in my imagination, after I go back to my hometown, Urumqi, and I can solve the problem as I did in Lanzhou, in Chinese problem. Because I have done this in, 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 in Lanzhou. And but uh, after I come back, it like China said the like our Uyghur hometown is a part of China, but they implement different policy. They implement the law with different way, treat people with different way. And I think this is the misunderstanding because of like Chinese government uh, made mistakes or making mistakes because of there is no enough study on Uyghur. There is no enough like like um, experts to explain what's happening. This is my imagination. This is my like feeling before. Yeah, you know I've heard that from a lot of different um, different Chinese dissidents. The idea that like, oh, there must be some kind of misunderstanding. This can't possibly be what's happening. And then it is what's happening. It is what's happening. Yeah. So what what are these concentration camps like? Um, first of all, uh, it is uh, indoctrination camp. The aim, uh, the goal is uh, not uh, killing people or like uh, toxicizing people. It's indoctrination camp. The first of all, uh, like um, I can tell you the first what we what the um, prisoners, what the detainees face. The first, they ruin your dignity. Ask you turn it like um, um, put off your old clothes. Ask you stand, and ask you to walk back and forth, and bow. And this is like it's it's in front of the others. In front of other, like at the time I faced this about twenty like uh, prisoners and other four like prison guards. If it's for checking, you can check alone. The first thing is like uh, ruin your dignity. Like you are here, you are nobody. You have to listen whatever we tell you, whatever we instruct you. This is the first. Second, in the like cell like in the so-called classroom, like a dormitory so-called, um, there is no privacy. For example, that like a three camera, 24 hours watching you, and uh, like at night, the light is on. And uh, like when you're walking, camera is just focusing on you and take a picture like this. Just, just you can hear, you can hear this. And your voice being recorded there, it means that you have, you don't have a privacy. And like, I I feel very like first night I feel very embarrassed because when I'm like uh, uh, when I want to sleep I need to go to toilet, but the, like uh, the camera just folks on just folks to me, and take a picture, and I think what's going on here? I'm just I'm just going to toilet. And why are you taking picture of that? And I know somebody is watching because of taking picture. I, I know some, I feel somebody is watching. So I feel very embarrassed. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my toilet. Yeah. So the first of all, that like ruin your dignity and then like ask you to feel that already you are under control. You are under custody. You are under like, you, you are there like uh, open with the, your like, like physically or, me or or mentally, the problem is. The second, there's a propaganda. Propaganda started after like a uh, few days and after tomorrow, and then the classroom. The classroom, you like there is like teacher and the students are separated. 
there is a bar between teacher and the club and the student, and uh, there's the uh, two uh, armored police SWAT in in, in uh, Chinese. It's the, just standing two sides of the teacher, and then that the the the, the, the like uh, so-called teaching started. Like I still remember that like um, yeah, it's very bad that like about Uyghur culture. It's a uh, re-explaining Uyghur culture, like Uyghur culture sexualized. For example, that like um, the teacher, it's, I remember very clearly that Uyghur had the, like, uh, depending on Uyghur history, Uyghur had 40 days of, 40 days of uh, wedding. Uyghur wedding is 40 days. And uh, do you know why it's 40 days? He just listened. And then, because of its group sex. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wedding, 40 days, it means group sex. They are doing this. It means that Uyghur culture is sexually very open. Uyghur culture is very open, open society. And from this perspective, Chinese culture is very uh, like uh, conservative. Uyghur is, is open. And at the time, I thought that, what are you talking about? And like he said, another another topic that about Uyghur lady, Uyghur lady is open. Like um, Uyghur lady have a forty. Like uh, before they get married, Uyghur braid their hair. Uyghur ladies 40, 40 times. It explained that one Uyghur lady can have with forty male partner. Because of Uyghur lady can braid their hair for the one for each guy. Yeah. And what are you talking about? Like it means that like the during the classroom, just insult you that like uh, just insult that this is Uyghur. You are thinking about uh, like something different, your imagination. But this is the Uyghur culture. You are not in your thinking. The Uyghur is like this. Like teach you Uyghur. You sh- like Uyghur is this, and another very interesting example that, like about history, Uyghur is not uh, um, native to uh, uh, Xinjiang. Uh, they are from uh, Mongolian, Mongoli- Mongolian. The Uyghur's ancestors are Mongolian. What? But you have to you have to listen. You have to listen to it. And Uyghur is not, and, and, uh, and after that, there is a law. Law uh, said that like before, uh, Uyghur have this kind of group sex and this kind of uh, like uh, fiddle. So we have the law to consent to uh, like uh, organize Uyghur culture with the modern way. Without law, Uyghur have uh, sexual diseases and like infectious diseases. This law implemented because of this, like um, put Uyghur culture in 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 um in the right way, in the like uh, push Uyghur culture to the right direction. That's why we have this law. So basically, they're trying to convince people that the Uyghurs, the Uyghur culture is bad, and it's the Chinese Communist Party that made everything great. They're telling you this in a concentration camp that you were in because you started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, Uyghur culture is bad. Uyghur culture is backward. Uyghur culture is, what are you practicing is wrong. And this is the way you have to follow. <laughs> this is the right way. Like, uh, always there's a camp, uh, like a screen. Screenshot that, like, always, this is new uh, Kashgar. This is old Kashgar. This is new Urumqi, this is old Urumqi, and this is new Uyghur, this is old Uyghur. And I imagine anyone who criticizes what they're being told, I bet that doesn't go well for them. Oh, of course, uh, the like, camera always watching you. Like, uh, you shouldn't feel bad, because if you feel bad, the camera will, 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 will find. So you have to smile. You have to, uh, you have to always say yes, 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 it is, because you know the camera is watching you, the big brother is watching you. 
Wow. Uh, at that time, first I, I thought that, what are they doing? And then I thought, yeah, they are testing me. In my mind, I think they are testing me, actually. What's your feeling? Because the camera are there. They are testing you. And then, depending on the test, and they categorize it. Dangerous one, and um, uh, uh, like really dangerous one, and the normal dangerous one, and less dangerous one. Three categories. You're always dangerous. It's just how dangerous you are. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so what do they do to people who don't want to play along with this little game? It is impossible. It is impossible to reject or it is impossible to avoid this game. Have to follow. You have to. I followed, for example. Yeah, 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 it's right, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I ask questions, I further question. Yeah, maybe, yeah, Uyghur is, you're, you're talking about Uyghur are originated from Mongol. I think Uyghur originated from Chinese, Han Chinese. <laughs> I bet they love that. Let, let them feel better. Let them feel happy. Do you think that it the brainwashing worked on people? Um, like, um, they, uh, we cannot say, I, like, from my observation, um, it uh, not worked on people uh, as Chinese government expected. For example, that the people will not feel that, like, uh, their culture backward their culture, like uh, primitive or something like that. But they feel that they are always under control. They are always under, like, um, under surveillance. And, uh, like, for example, that, for example, in the concentration camp, you always talk, oh, Chinese government is, uh, is good and, the, like, uh, Chinese Communist Party is great. And this kind of uh, conversation, you can hear outside also. Because of people get used to it inside. And for example, that like in Uyghur, um, we said after you um, sneezing, we said, God bless you. It's common word for Uyghur. And uh, now uh, Uyghurs say, just bless you. And then uh, after somebody died, we said, uh, God give him peace. And but we said just the peace, not the God this world. And before, like uh, we were uh, get married and uh, pray God to have a better life. But now uh, Communist Party would have a good future. Allow them to have a good future. This kind of words. And uh, like, I'm a linguist, your word create your identity, your word create your personality. It will influence. But um, I don't have enough evidence uh, how this like concentration camp created the new Uyghur. But uh, I always watch a Uyghur uh, movie, uh, like Chinese uh, um, TikTok or something. I found that like uh, Uyghur always talk uh, that they are in concentration camp. Even they are in the movie, even they are in the plat like stage. You can feel that they are like because I have stayed there, so I know what's the conversation, what's the like language looks like. So I found out that it's the same. The language changes because of the oppression, because of this concentration camp because of the indoctrination. So how did you get out of the concentration camp and then out of Xinjiang? Um, I, I have never, um, because first of all, there is no any evidence. I'm not the CIA agent. Like I went to the U.S. last year and uh, like I, at the time I just want to ask, I just want to call CIA and hey guys, you put me in danger and you should, uh, like, uh, yeah, you should say something to me. But I didn't. I didn't have time to call them. And um, I, because there is no any evidence that three accusations are baseless. And they forced me to accept so-called 
my crime, I have never. I said, no, no, no. Because I have done nothing. And like, even, for example, sometimes as like human being, during the torture, you should think that, oh, how can I find the evidence? Yes, just make up some evidence and just, just want to live. I want to I wanna, I wanna live. It's enough for me. But it's hard to find the evidence. It's hard to make up some evidence because there is no evidence. I tried. After three months, any kind of torture is useless. It's my personal experience. After three months, it's okay. You can get used to it. For example, that like electricity, only 20 minutes. If you bear with 20 minutes, it's okay. Because one electric stick, after 20 minutes, they have to charge. And that charging takes time. You cannot charge very in, in a few minutes. And then you can take a rest. And about like uh, beating, after your um, uh, body frozen, you cannot feel. You cannot feel anymore. And if after you uh, wash it with the water and feel it a lot, it will be better. And you can find some solution to deal with it, to like help yourself. After three months, it's okay. You can, you can, you can, you can learn a lot from these torture. And uh, like it is just like part of your life because it is a life. It's not only you being tortured. Yet if we are living in the free world, it's hard to imagine. But if you live with those guys, like some, uh, like one day somebody came with the like um, uh, electricized, another with the torture or something, because like you cannot uh, feel that it is something you cannot expect something different because it is there. It is the place you get tortured, you get raped, and you get electrified. It's the place. And what do you expect? And they are the prison guards and the interrogators, and it's their behavior. And how do you expect something different? It is like this. It is a system. And for example, you are in toilet, and you, you want to feel perfume. It's impossible. It is a toilet. Yes, Chinese concentration camp is a toilet. And you have to get used with the flavor of the toilet. That, that's the way. So, yeah, first think that, yeah, it is the, like this place. But I cannot become toilet paper. Yes, mm. this is the toilet. This is a dirty place. But I am not toilet paper. I am human being. And so it doesn't matter whether or not you play their little mind games in the camps. Basically... Whether you behave or not, everyone is getting tortured, everyone's getting electrocuted, everyone's getting some kind of sexual abuse. That's just across the board. Yeah. Uh, somebody is heavier, somebody is lighter, and somebody is everyday. Like, uh, I tortured uh, almost six months from the August until, uh, until uh, like, uh, December. And uh, somebody is longer than that. And somebody is shorter than that. And somebody is every day. Somebody is like after a few days, something like that. So like, uh, but uh, I didn't expect different. Because I, um, my uh, uncle uh, stayed uh, in prison 20 years. And uh, my mother told me that. Uh, he is my mother's older brother. My mother told me. So it's not new. Like everything happened to Uyghurs. Like for example, that my father, he is a high school teacher. He was a high school teacher. And he sent to um, labor camp uh, in uh, 1967. And he feeded pig. As a Uyghur, he feeded pig. He told me this. So, like, uh, for someone, somebody who never experienced this life, it's unimaginable. How can Uyghur bear with this? And for us, for example, except, especially for me, I have read the articles about, uh, like, Uyghur intellectuals and Uyghur scholars experienced during the Cultural Revolution. 
And I heard my mother told me about my uncle, Asa Ahmed. He was uh, like intellectuals. And like my uncle is the first one who have a modern school in my village. Modern Western style school in my village. He, he was the first one in our village. He was the like uh, director of the school. And like our family proud of him. And the, like my mother always mentioned that like, yes, he experienced that life. But I want to tell you something. Never betray yourself. You are human being. You are my son. Never betray yourself. It's you. Keep your dignity. Keep your honor. You are my son. Yeah, I, I thought like uh, very interesting that my um, my grandpa's father died in the concentration camp in 1937. It is the first concentration camp in our hometown. My grandpa's father, he was uh, at that time participated in the revolution. And because of that, he put in concentration camp and he died there. He died the same place I was put in prison. It's the same place, exactly the same place. Wow. Ludovan uh, Detention Center, that's the place my grandpa's father died there. And then my uncle, my mother's brother, he stayed in the camp for 20 years. My father stayed in labor camp feed pig as a high school teacher before. And then, so for us, something is repeating. So um, for us, it's not new. But like, um, I, I wonder when we have ending. When we have this ending. Like, why it's always repeating the same circle? Why? Why do you have that? Well, so what do you think of the international response to the persecution of the Uyghurs? Um, uh, recently, I um, uh, read a lot about concentration camp and about like Nazis Germany. And uh, at that time, uh, some media uh, had done a great job. At that time, I heard the BBC reported and... Um, about Nazi germ, uh, about like Nazi, about this. And this time also media uh, journalists are doing great job. And um, uh, civil organization are keeping hard work and the human rights organization also doing very well. But the problem is uh, government uh, like very slow and um, there is no uh, like united action. It's very sad. For example, that, yes, like uh, U.S. Uh, recognized that it's a crime against humanity and, um, and the genocide, and then uh, Canada, and then uh, like Netherlands. But the problem is we should take the real action to stop Chinese government. Yes, it is genocide. What? What should we do? It, it's like, like Chinese go, uh, government are committing genocide. It means that they are criminal. But, but the like those world governments are shaking hand with the criminals. Who are you? Who are you? You are shaking hand with criminals. Like. Is it possible that we call somebody criminal and then talk and then do business with somebody? Is it normal? No. Well, speaking of that, there is this ongoing, uh, I guess you'd call it a debate with governments around the world about whether to label what's happening to the Uyghurs as genocide. Uh, the Trump administration said it was genocide. Uh, the Canadian parliament recently did the same thing as well. However, the Trudeau and the Trudeau cabinet uh, basically kind of refuse to come out and say it themselves. The Joe Biden administration is still reviewing whether to call it genocide. Australia just recently voted to not call it a genocide. And I think what you say 
what you said about shaking hands with these criminals, that really ties into the fundamental issue here, because a lot of countries do business with China and you can't maintain normal relations with a country that is committing genocide. Yeah. Like, uh, if you claim that it's a genocide and the, how can we treat uh, China as a normal trade partner and the normal business partner, we should take some action. And that action, like, the accusation and this kind of uh, claiming and declaration will not stop Chinese government. And another thing that, like, um, uh, last year, it if I'm not wrong, it's about December, DW reported that more than 900,000 Uyghur kids are in children, children's camp, like boarding school. And recently, uh, we received the like, uh, TikTok video that Uyghur kids ashamed of talking to Uyghur, even teacher asked her to do. Yes, we can wait, like uh, we can discuss and we can debate. But the problem is those kids lost their identity, losing their identity. And the people are losing their, not the culture, we forget about the culture, losing their dignity, losing their human honor. I don't know why like uh, we debate like this and why we like uh, talk um, like, is it true or is it something like that? And yeah, can we go and investigate? If we cannot investigate, it means that there's something are hiding. Like uh, European Union asked Chinese government to open the door and like it's impossible for them. Like even World Health Organization cannot investigate China. And how can like uh, we investigate about human rights issue? Or like the BBC that got a tour of the camp, of one of the camps, and, you know, the Uyghurs are singing and dancing and having a great time. Yeah, of course. Like, if even the, uh, like, uh, invited, we can see different because it's government-owned everything. Yeah. But, like, the, uh, I, my uh, understanding that people who have never experienced concentration camp and it's hard for them to understand what concentration camp is. And people never live it in China. And it's hard to like um, understand what China is. For example, that I'm living in Norway. Like people in Norway feel that Chinese government is the same government as Norwegian government. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's. It's really hard. It's really hard to make people understand that, no, it is different. It is criminal group. It's not the government. It's criminal group. They're abusing the Chinese people. And it's not the normal country. It's not the normal government you are, you are thinking about. But it's really hard. It's really hard to make people understand. And it's really hard to like, make those politicians understand. What are you dealing with? is not the one, for example, that for Norway, it's not the country as uh, Britain. It's not the country as uh, like uh, New Zealand. It's different. But the problem is it's really hard. One is, I think it's a money issue. And another, it's uh, like, yes, we have uh, this danger, but it's not feel that way. Yes, it is danger, something like that. It's just common issue but the problem is it's hard to um, like convince them that we are losing people we are losing their minds we are losing their dignity so like uh, yes maybe we can think this way yeah like it's not our country and like a Chinese government doing that way but the problem is after a few years like one, like Uyghur become criminalized and they become criminal in the future. Because those kids without parents living there, like uh, I stayed with, um, I uh, studied on the like uh, uh, criminals, like most of them lost their parents. Most of them are anti-society. If you treat 
an uh, ethnic group as a criminal, they can become criminal in the future. Yeah, because they feel that I'm not normal. Like the Han Chinese are red, are green, passed everywhere, and I'm red. Yes, I'm red. I will be the red. It's it's a trouble to the world in the future. At, at least psychologically, we will condemn Uyghur that we are we are watching, and we are taking care of. Yes, we are taking action. It's important, at least psychologically. Well, I think that's why the genocide designation is so important because then you won't have like the like your average citizen of Norway or the U.S. still thinking in their minds, "Oh, the Chinese government is like any other government," because once the population knows, "Oh no, this this is a regime that's committing genocide," it completely changes the calculation. Yes, of course. Yeah, that's why I uh, think. Uh, like media will play a really important uh, role. And um, um, it's important to talk. It's important to explain. And uh, yeah. Well, as you mentioned, money is a big issue. Uh, we have international corporate. So the we talked about how Xinjiang is basically a surveillance nightmare state. A lot of that surveillance equipment is the result of Western companies. To this day, you have uh, Nike and Apple trying to lobby against the 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 Uyghur forced slave uh, Uyghur forced labor bill. The Uyghur forced labor bill because they don't want to risk their supply chains that probably go through China that they go through China and probably have Uyghur slave labor somewhere in there. Yes, um, recently I received the gift from uh, Telia, uh, Norwegian uh, telecommunication company. And uh, the gift is from China. It's Huawei. Huawei presented me the gift. Huawei produced the camera and uh, like developed uh, the app and recognized Uyghur. And then Huawei sent me the present gift. And I talked to the Telia telecommunication company. What are you doing? I am the victim of Huawei. And why are you sending me this? Even you didn't even ask me. Do you want me or not? Why are you sending me this? It's the same logic. Like, it's cheap. It's a gift, like 10 cents or like $10 or something like that. Yeah, we can give gift too. This is, this is the mentality of businessmen. This is the mentality of the giant business. Yeah, this, we are earning money and something like that. But the problem is we are human beings. Not only the customer, we have heart. We have feeling, we have dignity. I hope, uh, like uh, the world community, think this way: we are not only customer. We are not always consume something. We have heart, we have feeling. If somebody being beaten, we cannot stay without saying anything. If somebody being tortured, being killed. We have to, because we are human beings. And then I just think about Disney filming Mulan in Xinjiang in their movie, thanking the public security bureaus that are involved in doing what they're doing to your people. And it's just insane that that's... Yeah, it is a few kilometers away. It is a few kilometers away of concentration camp. People, like when you drive there, you can see the fence of the concentration camp. Didn't they see it? And the, the camera, every like uh, 500 kilometers, uh, 500 meters, every 200 meters, there's a camera watching you. Do you feel, do, don't you feel it? Do you like, uh, like uh, film the movie and then they go back and without saying anything? And, and I don't know, they are all blind or like, I don't know. Well, I think that's why the genocide label is so important because then you can't reasonably have Disney filming in a country that has concentration camps. Amazon and IBM can't be buying cameras from Chinese companies like Hikvision, which supply the cameras for the labor camps. Everything, the whole international order falls apart if you actually label it genocide. Yes, it is. This, uh, this uh, genocide, this label is, uh, is the crucial point. Yeah, 
it will um, it will save Uyghur, and it will uh, help Uyghur diaspora in uh, in the free world, and um, it will save our country. Well, thank thank you for joining us today and and sharing this story. It's important to get this message out. Uh, as I understand it, you're you're working on a new book. Yeah, I uh, wrote in uh, Uyghur, and I published in Uyghur first. It's yeah, it's already published and in Uyghur, and uh, I published in Turkish version, Turkish, and uh, my uh, editors are working on English version. And uh, I don't know, we finished editing in May. And maybe, uh, yeah, it, after, after finish the book, um, it's, it depends on the businessman. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's still a business. Yeah, like which business company accepted and, uh, and when they will publish. And this is, this is another business. But you're, you've still been very active uh, getting the word out about the what's happening in Uyghurs, and that's very important. It's crucial. Thank you. Um, like um, it is uh, like for me, uh, talk to the media, talk to the people, and explain what's happening there. It is the treatment of my um, psychological trauma. Without that, without doing this, how can you? How can you feel you are leaving? Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. I know that's difficult, but thank you. Yeah, like history will record everything. Yeah. At the end, you will see. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Well, thank you again for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I don't think that uh, a lot of people would have the same kind of in, of, of mental fortitude that Abdueli did. Yeah, just 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 it's it's only twenty minutes of being electrocuted, and then they run out of batteries. Uh, yeah, they got to recharge the cattle. Pro- oh my god! Or That's like insane. you know, if you can survive torture for three months. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just uh, yeah. I mean, get used to the fragrance of the toilet. I I just can't imagine. It's, it's it. I mean, it's and the the reason I asked him to what the misunderstanding he thought what he thought the misunderstanding was between mm-hmm. the Chinese Communist Party and like the Uyghurs was is because like that's the tragedy of it in a way. Right. Where like you think that surely there can't be this much evil, like surely it can't it, like this can't they aren't actually trying to you know, extinguish us as a people. Yeah, this is the 21st century. This kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. And yeah, like you said, like we've heard this from multiple dissidents where like mm-hmm. you're like, you know, when we talked to Fang Zhen, like he had his legs cut off because he was run over by a tank during the Tiananmen Square massacre. Or, you know, we've we've interviewed like Falun Gong practitioners who have all said like they just thought it was a misunderstanding. And if you explain it, obviously it's going to go away. Yeah. Like, you know, the students in the Tiananmen Square, they're like, you know, the government will will help us. The government will change. The The Communist Party will well, we can have freedom, you know? Well, I think that's a big problem with the international community and international business is that they also are kind of operating under this worldview of like, there, there can't be this kind of evil. Surely there's, surely it's not what it seems. You just can't accept it. Well, especially because, you know, I've had conversations with friends where they were like, wait, China doesn't have elections. They have a president. Like, it's just the way that we talk about the Chinese Communist Party. We don't even say the Chinese Communist Party, right? Like, we do all the time, constantly, Mm -hmm. for this reason, that nobody talks about it. But, like, you know, in general, like, you just do not talk about the fact that this is an authoritarian regime that's killing people. A truly evil regime. I mean, That word needs to be used more. The Chinese Communist Party is evil. I mean, they are committing evil acts. So I think like we don't like there's this like hesitation about using like good and evil or something like that. Not with me. (laughs) Well, I mean, but like they are there's no way that you can say that what they're doing is not evil. So it's just. uh, And that hesitation makes so many people complicit with the evil. 
Well, I think because, like, we don't talk about that part. Like, Abdul was totally right when he was like, well, like, the Norwegian people, they just cannot imagine that, like, it's not just another nor- normal government or, like, the and politicians. And then they give him a Huawei. Well, I mean, the politicians, right? Like, they, they don't, don't really know. You you treat China like any other country well, at the UN. Norway like, wants China to buy their salmon. Yeah, like, you just, sure, they get, they're a little touchy, you know. They get upset and they cut off the salmon imports or whatever but like there's just no like recognition like you know that's why there's like you said several times that the the genocide thing is such a big deal and why there's so much hesitancy and like stonewalling about it forced to confront the fact that the chinese communist party is evil or the fact that we're gonna say that they're committing genocide but we still want to do business with them we care more about money that's the that's the other option is like yeah, they're doing evil, but we are going to help them do evil. Who says evil's all that bad? Yeah, so I, I think that's, I don't think, see, like, I think the people of the world would actually not stand for that, which is the reason why they don't want to use the word genocide. Because mm-hmm. if they thought that, like, you could use the word genocide and then it wouldn't be a big deal, then it wouldn't be so touchy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I hope the Biden administration does formally say it's genocide. I hope Trudeau wises up. I hope I, I'm very disappointed in Australia saying it's not genocide, whatever reasoning they gave for that. Yeah. So the takeaway from this is you're not a piece of toilet paper and the Chinese Communist Party is evil. Call it the Communist Party and that they're evil. Tell everyone, right? Thanks for watching China Unscripted. I'm Chris Chappell. I'm Shelley Zhang. And I'm Matt Ganesta. Evil! Evil!